We are back. I think this is episode eight of the Montana Project. Uh, before we get into it, I'd just like to quickly thank everyone for all their kind words. We've had heaps of messages lately um, and even just some of the craziest stories from like people at work and people I don't even know very well um, reaching out and saying that they've had a listen to an episode or or a few. So that, that's been awesome feedback and it really makes us want to continue to do more and um, hear what you guys want to hear as well, I guess. Um, this week, Corey and I got to sit down with good friend of ours, Shane Young. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, he's a bit of a shoe collector and um, he's also just had a little baby boy as well. So there are a few things that we spoke about, but yeah, hope you guys enjoy and uh, let's get into it. <laughs> no, well, we appreciate you coming down and whether it's a, a bit of respite time for you to to mm. kick back a bit and uh no, thanks for having me appreciate yeah, it it's good and it's good to see you as well like i, I we were saying before like mm. i don't think it's oh it, i couldn't really remember the last time we've caught up especially like this as well have a good chat yeah exactly from word gecko we had good chats in the gym man so you're always like super motivated young guy hey yeah so, i appreciate yeah. that yeah well, welcome to the montana project yeah thanks for having me boys appreciate it <laughs> I know you're repping all the gear. I like it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't it, on purpose. I was wearing a jacket before this. Bro, yeah, so. <laughs> just when it heated. starts filming. So I'm getting nervous. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a, it's odd how you get nervous having a conversation. Like we still like I get excited like all day today. Like I'm getting excited thinking about like how I'm going to try to structure sentences and all that sort of mm. stuff as well. But yeah, even from the get go, when Corey and I, especially in the the episodes where it was just the two of us. Mm. We're kind of sitting here and like we would get all awkward and like yeah. you'd almost like and lose. now yeah like and how do you feel now oh it's still there but just better yeah like, yeah yeah like there's there's plenty of work to be put in still but it's it's exciting mm. and it's and it's like yeah to to get feedback from friends has been fantastic like we each week we sort of have a, a I guess our little cheerleaders that'll message us and say what they like and didn't like and stuff so yeah hundred percent do you find that just changes because you've like put the headset on you got the mic in front of you mm. and you're Could, kind of like you said, it's a normal convo yeah that we yeah. have but it kind of just you feel a bit different about it yeah i think so i think my fear is just like saying the wrong thing you know like, <laughs> you can't rewind that <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah i don't want to say that <laughs> no nah, the power of editing we've, we've yeah. definitely oh, yeah. cut out a lot of stuff from our, like, that's good to know yeah, yeah that relieves yeah. a little bit of pressure <laughs> <laughs> well when we, when we first send like some topics and stuff that we want to discuss with the person yeah I really try to um, push across the point that it's a conversation. It's not yeah. like us grilling someone about yeah. about a certain topic. And yeah, like it, it's just ultimately for me, it's like about personal growth and just trying to learn more and, and catch up with mates and that sort of thing for as sure. well. So yeah, but yeah, yeah see, see how it all ends up and like see how we progress through the next few episodes. I think 85% of podcasts fail at like, prior to episode seven so i've heard this before i think yeah. this is seven or eight so that's it <laughs> <laughs> we're done after this one yeah you're a lucky last yeah absolutely <laughs> so anyway shane young mm. tell us a bit about yourself where'd you grow up grew up in uh tasmania hobart until i was uh about 15 and then i moved to the gold coast 15 moved in with my brother went to Benoa state high school did my year 12 certificate there and um then I just got into the to the job game like everyone else, my man. So yeah, yeah. So during school at Benoa, like, did you 
have any idea of that you're wanting to go into like martial arts and that sort of thing? Or? No, absolutely not. So, and that's kind of uh, goes into another question you had later on as well is like, I would say I spent most of my 20s just not knowing what I was going to do. You know? yeah. And it was kind of, I was kind of fearful of like, you know, you see everyone else, they get apprenticeships, you know, their trades, opening their businesses. And I'm still sitting here at 29, 30 thinking, what am I doing with my life? You know, like yeah. I work mm-hmm. a job, but it's not, it's not exactly where I imagine myself at, at that age, you know? I think we've discussed it before and it's like going to uni is a massive thing that's pushed now. And I, I think almost having that time off to either, whether it's cliche and go find yourself or just mm. take some time away from education because you spend so long in it and like it's worth just taking a step back and be like, all right, what do I actually want to do? Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I know for myself, like I went to uni for a little bit and then I was like, oh this is just what someone else said I should do. And then, yeah. and then I was like, oh, I'll go do a trade because like at least give me some direction, like I'm making some money while I'm doing it. And I always had an interest in it as well. But yep. sometimes it takes those shit jobs to make you think, oh yeah, fuck, yeah. this ain't it. <laughs> this <laughs> really is not it. I don't want to be doing this for the next 30, 40 years of my life. Yeah, yeah. It just um, took me about 10 years to figure that out, <laughs> so, unfortunately. But yeah. yeah. What, what were you doing like once you first left school job-wise? Man, I did a bit of like construction and then I got a cadetship in real estate, which sort of intertwines to my career now, actually, believe it or not. Um, so I did a real estate, I did real estate, the cadetship for about a year. Okay. So you get paid like a, you know, $300 a week or whatever it is yep. just to rock up and do whatever the principal agent tells you to do. And um, after that, I went out on my own. Did that for three years, but uh, it started to yeah, take over. Real estate's like a like anything; it's a full time commitment, you know. So mm. no time for holidays, no time for girlfriends, etc. Family sort of went out the window a little bit. So yeah, that was my real estate career, but I took a lot from real estate, a lot. So even to this day, I'm still very interested in that. Not as a career, but learning from the people who do that. You know, like success leaves leaves uh, clues so do you mean in regards to like the sales aspect of it and like just the mm. like building rapport with people as 100%, well yeah. yeah customer service is such a big big thing so especially in the industry i'm now which is martial arts academy mm. um it all it's all customer service you know like you can go learn martial arts off of anyone but if you don't gel with the person or gel with the instructor it it can be hard or mm. the right environment's not there it can be hard so I consider myself very much customer service based these days. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, yeah, essentially it's coming down to the experience they're providing, not necessarily the product. Exactly. It's nowadays it's quite a saturated market. Like there is a lot of everywhere. Jiu-jitsu, everywhere. Like, yeah, you can find yeah. them anywhere. So yeah, but yeah. like I've noticed, like I've trained at a few now, and like it always comes back to like that Siganto drive at Helensville. Like it, <laughs> I appreciate that. The and. I don't know, like in the in the short time that I got to train with you guys and like seeing the, the business grow as well, like mm-hmm. originally being further up the road and mm-hmm. like having the, the older blue mats. And yeah, all because you you came to the original academy, hey? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was up... Um, Hole in the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it's cool to see that and like, and this is kind of one of the, I guess, enjoyable things for me with this podcast is celebrating our friend's success and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And yeah, to see that grow and then, and also like, the community you've built with the people there, even like when we had the floods, mm-hmm. like how quickly that got turned around. Everyone's rocking up, like yep. removing the mats quickly. And like yeah, dude. Because yeah. what, what did all the mats get soaked then? Like, 
Yeah, like it, the water almost came in. So mm. yeah, but we got them removed just in time. So and then it almost happened a second time. So but they've actually fixed that. There was an issue on Saganto Drive um, yeah. of the the river overflow or something like that. So they dredged it out, and now we haven't had issues since. So yeah, and there's been a lot of testing times recently, as you know, in yeah. regards to rain. Yeah. So no, nah, it's yeah, man, it is. It's all about community at the gym, you know. So yeah. Well, we will plug it. So obviously, Scaled Brothers, mm-hmm. um, you are now like franchise out to Helensville. So how does that operate? How did you get started with it all? Yeah. So I think as a white belt, I was, you know, I was at 25. I started jujitsu. I was looking for something to, to get obsessed about. You know, I didn't know. I wanted to get something in the fitness industry. I love mixed martial arts, but I'm not, didn't really, wasn't that keen on getting punched in the head, you know, <laughs> yeah. so jiu-jitsu was cool watched nick and nate diaz i was like man these these guys are black belts like that's pretty sick you know mm. and i wanted to follow their footsteps so i started jiu-jitsu at 25 and then from there i just like man imagine doing this every day you know like this would be a sick career you know like if, if i could get into it so just spent my time just trying to get better at a white as a white belt i wasn't too sure where my skill set was but then i become blue belt and i said to my professor which is like a coach if you don't know jiu-jitsu it's like your head coach we call it professor in in our jiu-jitsu world and i was always hassling him about trying to you know i want to do this i want to do this give me an opportunity to coach you know um he gave me opportunities to to step in and look after a fundamentals class at um at his gold coast academy at the time and um then it progressed from there so and then one day he said to me i think i might have been a late purple belt he said you know would you be interested in opening up an academy and i was like 100 percent. so i'm like oh, maybe give me a year you know to prepare and if you know anything about fabio he's very go 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 so yeah. we were we were within months planning to open up so and that's basically how it happened mm. yeah so i think i was just there the longest and probably the person who pestered him the most to, to get over the line and you know what it's like if you've got someone that's pestering you you're going to give them the opportunity first yeah, yeah. well it, i think as well like it might seem to you that you're pestering but it's showing drive and like that you're keen for it and that sort yeah. of thing as well but it's such a crazy like experience when you first go on the mat like i know so i transferred obviously grew up playing footy and all that sort of stuff and then when I actually did a year of boxing prior to coming to jiu-jitsu mm. and once I come to jiu-jitsu I wouldn't say I had a chip on my shoulder from that but like naturally being um, from sporting backgrounds and that sort of thing you, you're like oh, I feel like I'll go alright with this and I remember actually sorry to take it back I remember the very first comp I watched in person and mm. Sean was um, competing mm-hmm. and I think he was a purple belt at the time and he was in the open weight category mm-hmm. in Ghee. And he, he went up against this guy. And this guy was probably 100, 105 kilo. Mm-hmm. And Sean, I remember that match, yeah. Yeah, Sean, he was probably like 60. What's, yeah. he, what's he fight at, 60? Yeah, he struggles to push above 65 kilos <laughs> to, still to yeah, this day. Yeah. yeah, and he just made this guy look like a little kid. Like, he, he worked his way around him. And he, like, went to Berimbolo, which yeah. is probably the worst thing to be explaining on a podcast yeah very technical to explain yeah, yeah. you're underneath a guy put yeah, it that way but he, he pretty much started from in front ended up behind climbed his back so and then like <laughs> subbed him and it was like a minute and a half and it was all done i was like oh if he can do that to someone that's 30 odd kilos heavier or so like this is this something's going on here yeah definitely yeah it's inspiring to watch little guys like sean man and if you know if you know sean he's just an animal on the yeah. mats you know like 
he's inspiring to watch he's inspired me as well so um recently i opened up his own academy as well yeah at the yellow yeah. yeah so that's sick but yeah man did that inspire you when you saw that or? oh 100 i was like i i think i'd come down because reese so were you, you had started at that point or not no no so no. i hadn't started but i think reese was he'd started like the week prior or yep. two weeks prior or something because he was originally at the the hq down in mermaid yeah and then he come up um because like i think that was close so once you were opening yours mm. and then i was like oh and partially as well because i'm like having a competitive brother i'm like i can't let him get too far <laughs> yeah, ahead yeah <laughs> exactly so yeah i was like you were a problem from day one though hey well like... i didn't feel that way because i know i rolled with you on the first night and i reckon i got subbed like four times in, a, in like a five minute roll and I'm like i'm laying there just gassed and like breathing. i was probably gassed too bro <laughs> you're just <laughs> hiding you well. in, in, under control you know so yeah i it was just like i think anyone that hasn't done it before i highly recommend it especially if you get some heavy sweaty dude just laying on you and you realize like how vulnerable you are mm-hmm. and it's very humbling like you mm. you get to that and then obviously as well like the community that's built and the people you meet through it but yeah like and that was just my short experience of like uh, sort of being around it for the last three years on and off mm-hmm. but like for yourself so how long you've been like 11 years now 10 years yeah 10 years, 10 yeah. years since i started so and do you want to explain the i guess the the journey from white belt all the way through because now you are obviously a black belt which mm. was a pretty a pretty amazing accomplishment yeah, it's it's a blur looking back on it. If I'm honest with you, it's uh, it's such a long journey. And I look at people. Even one of my guys last night, I gave him his third stripe on his blue belt, and I was like, man, I feel like you've been here for you know since we've opened, and yeah. you're only still blue belt three stripe, and that's just normal progression, you know. Like about four years to purple belt is sort of standard, but yeah, I mean, where do you start, man? You go white belt, you know, the blue belt, purple, brown, and there's usually about two years in between, you know? So, and that's consistent training. So consistent training, you know, maybe three to four times a week. Um, And just putting in the hard yards there. So I think I just, once I got to blue belt, I was pretty confident I could get to the next belt from there. Because I knew the blue belt's like, if you know anything about jiu-jitsu, blue belt's like the the one where everyone goes missing. So you get, you, you know, you're super motivated at white belt, then you get to blue belt and it's sort of like, you know, <laughs> you see people disappear. You know? yeah. So it's pretty standard across the board. So I knew once I got to that stage, I could then get to purple belt um, and go through there. Unfortunately, I suffered, um, a, no, I wouldn't say a serious injury, but enough to put me out, which was the meniscus injury. Yeah. Um, it wasn't was that from... What's that? Did you too? Was that from? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was my fault, unfortunately. Right. So, were you I, were you caught in something, then you turned out of it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was a bit cocky at the time. I just won like a pretty like my biggest comp at the time, and I yeah. was you know just cocky and thought I could beat everyone, and you know put my own health in. I don't know at that at that time at purple belt. Once you're you know kind of young and you're confident, you put your body in stupid positions. You know, like mm. these days I wouldn't wouldn't put myself in those positions i'd obviously a little bit smarter now yeah um, a little bit more experienced being the black belt but at the time i was just like i can push through this i can push through this and i just heard this you know little pop and i don't know you, you you've had a knee, pretty serious knee injury well, okay? that's yeah so essentially what happened i was probably four or six weeks into training that's I was, right i was like in that that honeymoon period of just firing <laughs> for, a, for a white belt and then yeah yeah, I out of all things, I was playing touch footy with um, Amy, my partner, mm. and 
blew out my ACL and both meniscus in, in my right knee. Damn. And yeah, and I was like, man, like I was shattered at the time because like obviously I'd just found this new thing that was kind of essentially replacing the hole that I had from rugby league. Yeah. And I was like, this is this new sport that I'm just absolutely frothing. And then, yeah, went and did that. And obviously it, it does suck to do it, but... Mm. To be honest, it, it sort of put me on a trajectory where like I started taking so much more care of myself in regards to like stretching and I guess maintenance of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it did cost nine grand to get the surgery. Nine done. grand, really? Yeah, and like I, I actually I called. I remember calling my mum up about it because I thought I fell under their like their family insurance mm. and had run out like like three weeks prior. You're joking? Yeah. So I um, but to me, I could have waited twelve months and then went through like the public system and that sort of thing. Mm. But I was like, I just what's the what's the quickest option to get me right so that I can get training and yeah, because for me maintaining my mental health is like big on staying active mm. doing sport or like at the moment i've been running and that sort of thing as well but when that gets taken away from you it's difficult hey yeah and i actually i was scrolling through my phone the other day and i remember sending a photo so essentially in jiu-jitsu a key i guess um position to be able to do is just sit back on your heels and because i had this surgery there was so much fluid and stuff in my knees mm-hmm. and I remember the first day I actually sat back on my heels and I sent you a photo of it. Yeah. And I, I had it in my camera roll the other day. I was like, man, like those those little wins that you have when you have an injury is just mm. massive. Oh, and it's like, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously it took some time and fortunately I was able to come down and, and kind of observe. And like, I think to a certain degree it did help me, not as much as obviously doing the actual physical training. Mm. Um, but yeah, being able to watch everyone roll and, and then deconstruct it, like driving home with my brother Reese and stuff like that as well. So. Yeah, yeah, injuries, man. They they'll rock you. Hey, like you said, like your mindset and keeping your mind healthy is so important during that time. But it's hard because you can't do anything. You usually have that outlet to to exercise or do whatever, and that gets taken away, and you've got to look for for new new paths. You know, so mm. um, I know that definitely affected me. And my injury wasn't even it wasn't as bad as yours. You know, it was only a meniscus, meniscus tear, but tricky, I need to though. get it repaired. Yeah. So that takes a, you got two options. You can either get it repaired or you get taken out. And if you get taken out, it's bone on bone. And then yeah. maybe you don't roll for as many years as you want to. So this one will probably tear eventually, but yeah. it will just be a simple removal. But How would that work with the bone on bone? Would that be like later in life you'd have to get a full knee, Rico? Or? I don't think they can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think once it's bone on bone, it's just it. like essentially arthritis. Because I think what? the meniscus is a tricky one as well because the blood flow to the area. That's so, the issue. Yeah. yeah. Did, did they have the option at all of like, I heard that they can actually chip off part of the bone to then like your body sort of reacts to it. Have you? No, I haven't heard that. Yeah. I, I don't know whether it's specific to meniscus or, or something else. But what like, part of the bone? Like the knee? Yeah. Yeah. So I. This is once bro again, bro. Science science science. <laughs> yeah. I think like tell your, us. your main one, I think it's like your or something like that but whatever the two main bones coming down to it they can actually like pretty much chip off a section of the bone and then your body responds by sending like blood like to that area so then your meniscus starts to heal because of like the damage that they actually created damn no i've never heard that before mm. That's I, I, I went on a lot of rabbit holes yeah because I, I originally i was trying to find i guess a way to save the money or like to, to do it naturally and that sort of thing as well and I had a great, um, oh, what are they called? Orthopedic surgeon? No. Yeah. Is that your feet? No, it's pedi- I can't remember. No, it's orthopedic. <laughs> orthopedic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he was fantastic. And, like, I think I was in and out oh, in, like, 45-minute surgery and Damn. stuff. Yeah. And it's 
crazy because like you, you come out of it and your legs all swollen and that sort of mm. thing. But I remember actually I I got told that if I was out prior to midnight, they wouldn't charge me the overnight fee. And mm. that was like three grand. I was like, so the minute I come out of surgery and sort of started coming to, I was just pumping water and like just trying to get myself up and about as quick as I can. Mm. Like obviously not walking, but... Um, Did you have to put your pants on yourself? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's oh, I think I, part. I, I think I had... Straight leg. I think I might have had pants on. I can't actually remember to be Neither honest. But yeah, like got got out of the hospital prior to that, like that twelve o'clock mark, and I, like yeah, yeah, I remember even when I was waking up. The... It still cost you nine k. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, I got an expensive leg. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, but it's um, it's definitely a, like a process in itself. And then I think I had about six weeks off work, and yeah, just it, you can only watch so many movies and sit on the couch for so long, and then yeah. Yeah, but it, it, I guess if anyone is going through it right now, like you can, you can definitely get through it and and go back to a sport that you're enjoying. Because I I did jujitsu after that, and well, I think doing what I think I did it maybe similar to yourself was just trying to do all the right things during that time. You know, yeah. do your stretches, do what your physiotherapist recommends, um, try to eat clean, hydrate, sleep, or do all the right things, and then slowly work your way back to to the gym and exercising from there but yeah man it's it's tough so especially if you're you're fully active like a like a jiu-jitsu fighter or football player or whatever and then you get taken away yeah yeah man that 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 holiday period of sitting on the couch and watching movies is good for about a day you know yeah. and then you're like man, yeah this sucks like this really sucks and then then you start then it starts hacking into your to your mental as well you know yeah. so yeah seeing how easy you did your meniscus was it hard to get back into rolling or that's what the i think that's the biggest issue you know is the confidence that you lose from it and you're seeing everyone progress and like even what blake was saying there about sitting back on your heel i'd go down and watch people at the gym and i'd be like jealous of them like sitting back on their heel i was like <laughs> man like i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do that again hey like yeah. when you feel it you're like man, there's no way i'm gonna be able to close that gap between um my heel and my butt like there's mm. no chance but yeah, slowly, slowly gets. I still feel. Like, I reckon I can still feel something in my knee, to be honest with you. But that's probably mm. from re-injuring it and going from there. Yeah. So I don't know. Did you feel it in your knee? Like, did I your had, knee feel I perfect, or you know that something's happened? Oh, I think it was pretty good. Like I allowed it a fair bit of time, and mm. then I, I feel like because I tried to do my best with the um the recovery and all that with the physio. Um, I know I had I had a longer run at one point down the track and I did hurt it during that and mm. like it was one of those things where you just you just know yeah <laughs> yeah and then silly like decided to keep running but um yeah I I think sometimes you just can be in tune especially if you're like for like for six weeks being at home all I was thinking about is trying to get my knee better yeah and so if you spend so much time getting in tune with your body like I I wouldn't be surprised if you did know or had a better better connection with like what's happening but. Mm. Yeah. Do you, do you find coming to Purple Belt like because it opens up more avenues of submissions and that sort of thing, mm. or even even going to blue? Like, do you find injuries occur like the same injuries occur at those levels? Well, from my experience watching people and obviously going through all the belts, I definitely see more injuries in the white belt category. Mm. You know, I think people just learning how to use their body for the yeah. first time. Like, okay, if you have like if you're a wrestler and you come from a wrestling background, you start jiu-jitsu, you're probably going to be okay, you know, or judo, you're going to be okay. But if you're just an average person and you start jiu-jitsu, yeah, there's a good chance you're going to get injured because you just don't know how to use your body the same way, you know, where most people that have been doing judo or 
or wrestling and things like that, they they understand their body quite well, and um, they've been doing it maybe at a young age. But like I said, most of most of the people I interact with are usually starting at you know twenty and twenty five years old, even later now. So mm. I think you can definitely get more injured. And usually, like man, honestly, it's not usually from a submission. You know, that's the weird mm. thing like about jujitsu. Like you do hear people getting like you know their arm you know hyperextended and the feet and knees sort of putting pressure on them, but usually that's actually pretty re- quick recovery time. You know, yeah. it's usually like the things I got caught in, which is like, you know, a certain position and then forcing, anytime you're forcing your way through it and you're thinking in the back of your head, this could go badly. Like yeah. I've probably had that thought a few too many times in my career <laughs> and paid that paid the consequences for it. But um, yeah, anytime you start to go like down that route and not just submissions, I think you're going to find injuries going to happen pretty quickly. So, yeah. But that's why I always recommend to be. That's what uh, I try to like implement in my academy is making sure people go with the right people. So they're not yeah. just going to go with someone because you know, like with jujitsu, it's weird because you're kind of told go as hard as you can, you know, mm. like do your best, you know. Mm. And when you get that, you know, you see red, so to speak, and you're training and you're trying to go as hard as you can, that's when the mistakes start to happen. So yeah. the more you go on the belts, the more you start to understand yourself. Um, in saying that, my injury came at purple belt, but I just felt like I got I got more silly. I got more confident. I got more cocky. And um, that's when the injury occurred. So and, and ego coming into it as well, because like I know a lot of the times that I have been injured, like most recently when I was rolling with my brother, <laughs> <laughs> like he had me in a straight footlock and I was kind of like That's looking at him. Role. Yeah, and I, I was sitting up, I was sitting up on it and like partially defending and then mm. I was like, I was like, if I allow him to stretch out, I can sit up further and then I, I he pulled back on it and we both heard a pop and I was like, I was looking at him, I'm like, I'm not tapping, but <laughs> like any other person, like and, and essentially it's an interesting sport because not like boxing and stuff where you're just getting punched that you're kind of in charge of how much damage you can take. Like if you're mm. willing to tap early, which most people should mm-hmm. to, to preserve themselves. Mm-hmm. But it's great advice, but yeah. not many people take it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and that's the thing. Like you get in a tough role, um, especially with someone like sim- similar body shapes or similar mm. belt levels and yeah. stuff as well. And like you, you get caught up in that. And essentially as well, it's such an odd experience when you're new to it and even maybe for yourself that people are just practicing trying to kill you sort of in 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 a certain like in a weird way like yes it's it's like controlled controlled killing (laughs) exactly and that tap means everything to them you know Mm. like especially if they haven't tapped you before they're always hunting for you man so that's one thing at you know at black belt like everyone wants you you know everyone wants to yeah yeah so it's it's very important to them and it just makes you want to level up even more so a bit of dopamine for yeah 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 oh they'll they'll tell everyone they'll tell their friends do you you find bigger egos in lower belts or as they get better man i think it's like a bit cliche to say that you know you lose your ego when you when you go high but everyone has an ego like everyone doesn't want to tap that's what it comes down to you know Mm. so I think more so you obviously get it at white belt, but at white belt you kind of got that like you can fall back on. Yeah, I'm not that good. I'm still learning. I'm just going through the the motions of it. Um, so you're a little bit easier on yourself when you start to get to brown. You like you know maybe a white belt gets like close to tapping you. You're like okay, now my ego is coming into play and. You know, there's there's always a joke about you know stopping them and telling them they're doing the technique wrong. Yeah. Just you know, readjust there, bro. <laughs> okay, you, restart, go. <laughs> completely out of the same submission hold you accord into. So one of the most, um, I guess, I'm very appreciative for like so many guys that I've trained with, but I know like Paulo, like just an absolute animal black mm. belt. But I liked 
the fact that he like I oh, I reckon he subbed me like eight times in a five minute <laughs> role as like a fresh white belt. But I'm like, I love this. Like this is yeah. exactly what I was looking for. But yes. then like I've seen yourself roll with new guys and and you you'll be happy to match what they're what they're putting out and that yeah. sort of thing. And essentially being an expert at something is just getting the same result with less effort. Mm. So yeah, like for you to roll with that person, like I've seen at times when you're actually going for it and like going hard against mm. someone, but then you also like sit back and, and just play around essentially. For like. sure. I like, uh, you know, I like being able to like say submit someone without, you know, causing an issue, you know, like there's no drama attached to it. It's all, uh, it's not like a brutal submission, you know, mm. like it's done clean. It's, it's professional. Um, that's what I'm about. But yeah, I'm always trying to match people's pace. It's super important. Even rolling with like kids, you'd be surprised how many adults like you put them with like a, maybe like a you know 12 year old or some teenager that's a little bit bigger than the other kids, and they don't know how to roll with them. You know, mm. they 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 bully them, and oftentimes I'm like, hey, like you obviously got 20 kilos on them. Yeah. You need to yeah. you need to match their pace, and they just don't understand. And then, like I said, I like to consider myself being able to roll with everyone equally so i can roll with like a four-year-old and still give them a good roll without hurting them yeah um and then roll with say like the oldest person in the academy and yeah. still be able to match them there so and there's some people that are just super competitive as well and they that's want to the roll tricky high. thing though because like you got guys that are pushing 60 and stuff but then mm. they're like you're like all right i'll go into this and then you find out that they're like an ex-black belt in judo or something like <laughs> are you like, referring to murray or? i am <laughs> <laughs> he he's a beast like yeah. and and to see someone like it's kind of such a cool sport because so many people either like you said start later than they would in other sports or continue on up until they're like old yeah and not that Murray's old <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think we can agree he is old you know he's 65 this year yeah, so yeah. it's and pretty inspiring still you know? rolling so so Dude, strong as well like so probably strong. one of the strongest like grip strengths that I've yeah, yeah. gone against yeah he's but got that dad strength though. On the on the topic of like you being able to roll with multiple levels and ages and that sort of thing, your mindset when it comes to competition is something that I haven't actually seen with many other guys, especially mm. from Galeb. It's like, like you ha- you have your catchphrase with and that sort of thing as well. Mm. And like, yeah, to see you, like just all, like so focused on game day sort of thing. Like, what's going through your mind? Because that's completely different, obviously, to a, a role in the gym. Yeah, uh, that's a good question, man. I don't really know. I kind of didn't really know how to compete to be honest with you when i first started i didn't know what sort of tempo to bring it took me so long to to find my rhythm and obviously i'm still i'm not being cocky but i'm still learning to this day you know mm-hmm. like how to how to deal with it so i guess to answer your question my mindset is always not every time i've gone in with the with like a i'm gonna win this i always lose so now i go in with more of like an open mindset and whatever happens is gonna happen and mm-hmm. that's just much easier for me especially dealing with like anxiety of competition coming up i'd rather have that open mindset than be so sure every every person i know that's so sure of themselves it always ends up losing in competition you know so now i just go in and i'm just like whatever happens happens you know so that's my mindset i don't really know how to elaborate on it more than that and and i try not to overthink it too much i'm i'm not gonna sit here and tell you man i just get fully pumped and see red (laughs) and i go out there and be as aggressive as i can no I just do what I can with the situation. And like the scary part about competition, as you know, is you really don't know who you're going to be facing. You know, you could be facing, and I've faced people with like really good records before and I've sort of doubted myself a little bit and won. And so now I'm just like, from all that learning experience from the other belts, take it into black belt and keep trying to apply that same same uh, thought pattern. Mm. That kind of keeps it interesting. So do you not find out 
till the comp day who you're rolling against or you have an idea based on your bracket yeah um but my i always tell people don't don't worry about it. like don't check them out yeah. because every time one of my students will go check them out he's like he's a world champion yeah. he's, <laughs> he's on a 500 fight win streak i'm like bro like come on like now you're just psyching yourself out yeah. like if you gonna, wanted yeah i was gonna check it like like with ufc they kind of had the opportunity to find out how they fight and they can yeah kind of they study can go for more of there. like a game plan you do know? you find that jiu-jitsu is a bit more rounded so it's like they can kind of get you from anywhere and it's not like they're stuck to one move they can kind of you've got to be ready to like adapt you've got to adapt to anyone's game and body types as well i'll say that's Mm. a big factor so you could we could be in the same weight division but you're five foot five and i'm six foot you know so it's a completely different game i found that in my weight division so like i dropped down to medium for one of them and Mm. like i wouldn't do it again just because like i depleted myself like i felt really so, yeah medium <laughs> yeah yeah like because i was coming in i was always getting to it about like 81 81 and a half mm. and that was right down the bottom end of medium heavy yeah and so this is um in the nogi and but in the category that i was in i was usually like a head shorter than most of the guys in there mm. um but yeah it, it it's just like kind of I guess like playing footy, like you got small forwards and, and ruckmen and all that sort of stuff as well. Like everyone kind of has their strengths, but like, it, it, yeah, it, it's obviously going into open weight again. Then you got like another, yeah, another that's thing on itself. Category, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's someone going in and they might be 30 kilos heavier, but they might have the stamina, I guess, to, to progress through the rest of the fight. And is it one minute each time, like each belt you go, go up, you get an extra minute on your rolls? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. So Shane would be doing ten minute rolls versus like a white belt does like a five, is that correct? Right. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. depends where you go into. If you go into like a Masters one, which is over thirty, they usually cut it down to six minutes and and keep it quite short. Which is yeah, it can be better actually because if you've ever watched a ten minute black belt match, it's it can be a very big stalemate until the last two minutes and then they go because they yeah. know both parties know if they go hard for the whole ten minutes, they're going to be wrecked. So sometimes the shorter the fight the better the action you mm. know and it really like yeah 10 minutes is sort of like you know feel the person out you know go from there insane there are some black belts who just bring it for the whole 10 minutes <laughs> yeah, you know so they're a special human being because you you've also got the people that like kind of like go for points then the guys that just hunt for submissions like like for yourself mm. were you always on the side of like playing it out and like just eventually winning the fight or was it like you wanted to win by a submission uh, like i said i think it's the same mindset man i think if you go in with the i'm going to submit the guy you're probably going to lose you know yeah. or you'll lose on points so you just kind of sometimes i've gone out there and just you know submitted the guy in 30 seconds and mm. i didn't think that was going to happen you know so it just the opportunity just presented itself because you know you've got two panicked people essentially going out there to roll you're never rolling it you know what the what you're rolling into the gym yeah. at you know so just mistakes happen and i'm lucky i haven't been caught that quickly yet you yeah. know but it could happen you know yeah. very easily um so that's my mindset my mindset is always to have, you know it is a points-based game at the end of the day and you've got to remember that you you're most likely going to be versing someone with similar experience to you they're also similar weight so they may be hard to submit so you've always got to have in the back of your mind of a strategy in regards to the points okay and there would be a lot of people out there oh, i just go i'm just looking for submission and essentially they probably just lose because you need to have both you need to have a strategy and also be a bit of a killer when it comes to you know applying submissions and and beyond when you need to be on so the, the points is that 
how do you get the points? Obviously, I haven't rolled. So before. if you advance certain positions to to like make it real basic, is is going to earn you points. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you do certain moves in jujitsu that put you in say you know like mount position, you know, like in in yeah. UFC or MMA fight, that would be considered you know a pretty dangerous position to be in. So jujitsu, they award you a certain amount of points for doing certain moves that are considered somewhat difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so yeah, there's a lot of like. Um, a lot of rules and a lot of things you need to know before going into comp. And that's another thing as well is just knowing how, just like any sport, you've got to know the rule set. You know, you've got to play to mm-hmm. the... Because so many times you see and I'm like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. He, he walked out of the bounds and gets DQ'd, you yeah. know? And you're like, I didn't know he could do that. Um, and I hear that from a lot of people. So you've got to be able to play to the rule set. Because if you don't get the sub and you're down on points, now you can, you can argue all you want, but you lost the match. You knew mm-hmm. the rule set before you signed up for it. You go in there, you lose on that avenue and yeah it's a bad day and to lose on points like i found is almost more frustrating as well like i remember one one of the last um comps i did or probably might have been the last one um i lost two nil mm. and i and i was spewing after as well because not so much for the losing but i thought i was up two nil okay yeah, and then i was like the chilling i was like i was like all right i'll just write out the time and then because I, I was knackered as well and then i wrote it out and then i was like i'll turn back and the scoreboard's like zero two mm. and i was like oh yeah, and it's so frustrating because I guess that was one of the last rolls for the day as mm. well because you can have up to, I think I had five that day, mm. um, depending on how many people are in your bracket and that sort of thing as well. But yeah, it, it's the adrenaline you get, especially on your first like competition. It's it's yeah, it's yeah hard to describe unless you have, have for done For sure, it. man. Like I saw a lot. We had uh, state championships on the weekend. A lot of my students were you know first-time competitors and the first thing I always say is make sure you get like a good warm up in, get a good sweat in, so you don't get that. Uh, we can get this thing called adrenaline dump, and it just comes over you very quickly because you know you're just so anxious and you slap hands, knuckles, and then dump. You know, so just getting that first warm up in, sweating it out is is so essential, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like my first fight in gi, I grabbed onto someone, and then like. Forearms. Yeah, my forearms were just gassed and like, but my hands were like almost locked up mm. and like, I, I like, yeah, I was, you do not I was want to let, let him go. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I was wanting to let him go, but I was like, <laughs> that my hands are stuck in his gear essentially. But. Yeah, you see that so many times in like first people's first comp, um, they just lock him up and yeah. hold him. I was one of those people as a white belt, locked him up, held him there. I'm like, come on, just win, just <laughs> yeah. win. I just want that win at any cost, you know? So, um, it is nice to win, but then you're like, oh, I want to win a little bit better than that yeah. next time. So yeah, to, to win by submissions, definitely. Yeah. Uh, a lot. I was like, oh, that's the boringest match I've ever seen. <laughs> but I won. He's like, I don't care. You yeah, know? So. yeah. It, it's so cool as well. It's like, even though it is an individual sport, it's such a team sport. Oh, 100%. Like having, having a team mm. at the gym to train with. And, and I remember like, even going into comp week and stuff, it, the, the atmosphere is different. It's like, there's a yeah. bit of buzz in there yeah. and everyone's excited, but everyone's like, trying to go hard against each other but not yeah. wanting to like damage them in any way for their own competition and yeah stuff. oh for sure man it, it creates a good vibe at the end there and i think once you've done that even if you go and you know you have a shit match and you lose like if you've done the training before you always come out a little bit better that's mm. the best part about jiu-jitsu so people come back and they're disappointed it's like dude you're way better than i know it's cliche you know you're getting one percent better every day everyone says that yeah. but it's true like if you if you're out there training and you're getting better you're taking something from it and jiu-jitsu is just all practice at the end of the day you know rocking up and putting in the time and and making sure you're just improving on what your what your skill set is mm. you touched earlier on the anxiety prior to competition yeah. is that 
has that been something that's been a, a drama for you? Like, do you go in with a lack of confidence or it's just... No, I definitely felt like it to begin with, with the anxiety, I was like the worst, you know? But I think everyone feels like they're the worst. Like maybe you're a little bit more confident than the average person, but most of the people I speak to have that anxiety. And I've noticed that one thing, it doesn't matter if it's like a, a really big competition, like where we travel for it, or if it's just like a local one, feels the same you know for me personally it feels the same like i'm still going to get just as nervous just as anxious so i don't think i've had a big problem with it i think it affected me to begin with but then once you start accepting this is just how it's going to be and you're just going to have to deal with it and just move on you can make that choice like i can let this sort of destroy me or i can sort of just tackle it head on that's the best way to go about it so but i used to get so hyped up man i'd be like six hours before the match getting warmed up you know yeah. like yeah, just like so like because i'm a very like organized person so i want to you know i want everything to be a b c but this is just controlled chaos. like it's just chaos man yeah. you know so it's just insane so as soon as you start to accept that the better you know and some people are like oh i just can't compete because i'm nervous and i'm thinking in my head like dude you're talking to like the most nervous person out there yeah. like i never even done anything competitive before you know i was never a, a big sports guy so i never had that that you know competition experience that competitive drive so i didn't think i had it in me um but then you just like i said get more experience on every belt and you get better and you know mindset books help as well you know sort of driving you in the right direction talking to people that here's yeah that's a good tip as well talking to people that are actually doing well in competition you know like i still reach out to people today maybe not necessarily on my team but other people i admire and ask some questions and most people in this community are pretty open to answering most questions you know like you want to know what they're doing um in their training you don't want to know how, what how their mindset is and so on and it helps man it helps when you can see when you can see someone else doing it you know it's like that is it first person to the four minute mile or something yeah like that? yeah and one, it, once he once he managed to do it, it was, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's kind of it, it feels that same way like you, you know you see like you know say sean or someone else like they compete and they do well you're like i can do that like mm. i can roll with him you know mm. so i can roll well and it goes from there do you think a bit of anxiety comes through preparation like i feel like when you go into things and you know you haven't yeah. prepared deep down you're like yeah fuck i 100 i haven't man. done it 100 percent. but if yeah. you go in knowing you've done everything you can you're kind of like oh i think that's where i actually like my anxiety lessens once i know mm. i can i've done everything done i can i can sign it just like okay whatever happens happens if i lose i lose i know i've done everything i'll come back but yeah it definitely if you have like I, ha I have entered competitions not being prepared and you do suffer yeah. real bad and i think it's like anything you know like yeah if you're not prepared for a, a job interview and you rock up and you know they start asking some pretty high questions you're going to panic pretty quickly mm, definitely. it exposes your not your weaknesses but your gaps in your in your knowledge or your skill i guess but yeah something that helped me when i was competing was just the fact that i, I can't remember if i read a book or, or heard it somewhere but essentially the nerves and your your heart rate increasing is all kind of getting yourself ready to literally like battle someone mm. and that that definitely helped me because i'm like oh like that makes sense to have those feelings like it's not like to suppress it it's to to utilize that energy and, and kind of get excited for it and like when when people be like oh you're nervous i'm like yeah it's like that's not a good it doesn't have to be a, a bad mm. thing though it I always say it'd be weird if you weren't nervous you know yeah. even a little bit it's like if you're super calm and i've seen people they're like oh, i don't feel anything and then they just go lose because you yeah. didn't have any emotion to it they didn't care enough you know yeah when you feel that way it's because you care about something you know like any time in your life when you feel that way it's sort of like okay there's some there's some fear there's some anxiety but you know if, like you said if you can tackle it the right way it's a 
it's gonna it's gonna pay off for you hmm. it must be so hard because like obviously a 10-year process right now but culminating to that black belt must have been a massive thing like i was fortunate enough to be there to to see you get it and that was mm. that was unreal like mm. and and to see everyone and how emotional everyone was about it, it's like once again that that celebrating your friend's success like it, it's so cool but yeah. yeah what was it like for you getting the black belt yeah yeah um yeah it was just a uh, man it was just, it just felt like a, like i said even looking back on my all those belts it was just a blur to be honest with you just a blur of all that hard work and emotions and like i i feel like i sunk everything into it you know like i wanted to be the most obsessed person with jujitsu i wanted to study the most so once i got the black belt i was i felt like it was right but i was also i was pretty overcome with emotion you know like it is just a belt at the end of the day but mm. i think everyone knows how much work you've got to put into the belt together it. it's not like i'm not going to try and rip on karate here but like it's <laughs> it's you know it's a great i used to do karate so i'm not yeah. not talking smack on it but you know they tend to hand out the belts a little bit easier you know mm. so and there's nothing wrong with that they're they're doing their thing we're doing our thing um but yeah the jiu-jitsu black belt really means something you know so what yeah. is the process of moving from belt to belt not much really like there are some uh some jiu-jitsu schools which sort of you know they sort of test you a little bit but usually it's just based on progression so rocking up being consistent um your sort of coach will know whether you're ready for a certain belt or not based on your you know performance not just in competition but just your attitude towards you know are you actually looking to improve you know like there's no point giving someone a new belt if they're sort of like me you know i'm sort of over it at the moment like they're going to stay on that belt and do you do you feel as though like obviously the black belt's a representation of the time you've put in but the representation of what your guys in the gym like if you're grading someone too soon Mm. and then they go roll another gym Mm. and they're they're like a three-star blue belt and Mm. they're just getting smoked like is that is that kind of like it's a reflection of yourself and like your own training or Mm, it depends man like i think everyone is on their own journey in jiu-jitsu and especially through the belt rankings so like you can have someone that may not be you know the best at jiu-jitsu but they still deserve the certain belt you know like um yeah I, I wouldn't judge them if they if they lost to a certain person but like i said everyone's on their own journey man you could have some guy that's trying to get his blue belt that has you know six kids at home and you know all the stress in the world so if they get to that point and they're still not as on par with someone that's like a good blue belt that's not a big deal i don't think so um it, but they still need to put in the time you know they still need to rock up the training they yeah like i said it's cliche to say but do your best you know as long as you're doing your best and you're gonna get the belts are gonna come you know Hmm. so like i said i wouldn't judge someone if they were just got their blue belt and then they went against another blue belt and they got smoked i wouldn't be like oh he's not ready for the blue belt yet you know (laughs) give it back (laughs) yeah yeah bro you can't let that happen so um it definitely feels that way in your head but i don't think that's the case you know so like i said man there's so many different people there's so many different black belts out there from full professionals you know that just focus on just jujitsu they don't run an academy they don't have any sort of affiliation to it it's it's just pure competition then you've got like you know your hobbyists you know which is essentially like 95 percent of the people that do jiu-jitsu is all hobbyists it's such a small percentage of you know full-time competitors and people making money from competition so yeah so what's the go after you get your black belt is there further to progress or is it more competition based yeah, I think it's more competition-based. Like, you do get stripes. I was actually right. explaining this to my girlfriend before I came here, and she's like, so what is it? Like, you know, is it? Because we're watching a, 
the world championships are on the weekend we're watching them and she's like i noticed that none of them have like the stripe on their belt i'm like yeah because they're usually like 19 already and they're already like world champions so it takes three years to get a stripe so you know, even the kids at my jiu-jitsu, they're always like, you're going to get, when are you going to get your red belt? I'm like, I'll be 65, but yeah. if, if I'm alive, it's 65 to, to get the red belt. So it's, once you get the black belt, it's sort of like, that's where you're at, you know, like mm-hmm. that's the highest point. From there, you're just aging and, you know, your jiu-jitsu is probably going to get a little bit slower right. as you go on. So, but yeah, it's mostly just based on competition. Um, you still need to like, you can't just get stripes just by, cause you got a black belt sitting in your car, but you still need to rock up to training, you know? And whether you're the oldest black belt on the mats or the youngest, you still need to put in the time. So, mm. yeah. But I would say like reaching the black belt is is essentially the pinnacle, and then everything else after is just a um, advancement on the black belt. And mm. you know they do give out stripes, but I think it's like you get every three years for the first three stripes, and then it's six years after that. So yeah, yeah. it's a long process. You, you notice as well when you're training, like once those guys are hitting that brown and black, like they'd be coming back in and, and they're almost they get to a point of giving back to the gyms and stuff exactly like, yeah. rather than coming there to learn they're like alright I'm going to come down help Shane or help Fabio or whoever's coaching on the night and to have that those extra skillful people down there is like so beneficial and yeah it, it must be tricky though because like those guys that are coming in but then there's there's people like you're saying that are always like hot on their heels trying to be like oh yeah I tapped a brown belt tonight <laughs> yeah. sort of thing like yeah. Yeah, like it keeps them accountable. Yeah. I think that that seems to fade off after a certain amount of time as well. You do get that from, you know, people that are very excited about jiu-jitsu. But after a while, it's just sort of like, you don't know, man, you don't know if that person, what's going on in that person's life. They could, you know, have an injury they're not telling you about. They've yeah. got a lot going on. Like I said, six kids, feeding six kids before yeah. they come to jiu-jitsu. You can't, that's what I say to people, just don't even like a big rule I have as well is I don't like people talking about who they tap in the gym. You yeah. know, I think it's a bit disrespectful in that sense. So, um, cause you really, yeah, you don't know what's going on in people's lives. So you don't know if they, and you don't really know, like I hear this a lot, like oh, I tapped him out. I'm like, trust me. Like you didn't <laughs> tap him yeah, out. You just yeah. thought you did, you know? So and the novelty, I guess of it wears off. Like you get tapped. Like if you spend even a month, like consistently training, you get tapped out and make so many taps so quickly. Or yeah. Like, yeah, like it's you'd, you'd lose count. One hundred percent, and you'll never hear me talk about who I've tapped. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just it's just not going to happen. So I yeah. just avoid the topic at all costs. You know, like and you you, know, you get someone that comes in, they don't know anything about jujitsu, and have you tapped that guy? Have you tapped that guy? <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he's tapped me. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> More likely. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so obviously, getting a black belt yep. and having the franchise as mm. well, massive things in your life. Yep. Having a son. Yeah also a massive thing how's yep. that been how any correlations from jujitsu for you to like prepare yourself for? Uh, <laughs> tapping out the kid <laughs> i don't know yet uh like i said it's only six weeks in since that happened um i don't know if there's any correlation between the two but it's been a learning experience man that's for sure so um i'm not the best operator on very little sleep like most people i know this is just part of the process but yep. yeah it's been challenging for sure and then you know, like running a business, you've got to obviously be, you know, you've got to put a smile on your face every day, you know? Mm. So, um, and that's not always going to be the case, especially, you know, if you've had, you know, 
rough night at home or you know you're lacking sleep so that's probably been the most challenging part so far but it's been very rewarding in saying that man so but i'm so inexperienced i don't want to say too much because i don't know what i'm yeah. talking about yet so you're back at the white belt <laughs> yeah i'm 100 percent a white belt no stripe just looking up to all the other fathers out there so and people ask me and i know their parents and i'm like oh yeah it's going it's hard you know and they're like yep we told yeah. you you know like, yeah. yeah i get it so yeah no nah, it's sick i, I think it's such a tricky situation. I've been thinking about this a lot lately that the people you care about most are often the ones that cop the worst side of you, if that makes sense. Mm. Like you're you're going to be putting on this smile for the people through work and all mm. that sort of stuff. And then you come home and like that's that's the person that you have to deal with at the very end of the day when you're yeah. most tired. And it's like, it's almost unfair in a way because that like you want to be your best person yeah. for them. yeah. But, yeah. I feel like it's at the moment. I forget. I don't want to like um, muck the story up, but this story, I think it's like an old religious story or something like that about a guy that was sentenced uh, or like penalized for something and he was forced to push a rock up a, a hill and he just, after a while, he, the rock would come back down and the gods would watch him. He'd push the rock back up for eternity. So he made it like creative you know creative ways of pushing up the rock and that's how one of my mates explained it to me the other day about you know dealing with babies sometimes you just instead of thinking like oh when does this end you're like no you're doing this this is forever you're like you're, yeah. just, you're doing this now just accept it you know so that that's that's been helping me a lot with that mindset so when i wake up uh you know 3 a.m or my missus doesn't want to change the change the diaper i'll I'll get up and I'm just like, okay, just do this, you know, just do this, do this. It's, it's all part of it. It doesn't matter. If it, if you do need to do another three changes in the next hour, you're just going to have to do it, you know. Mm. Adapting that mindset has helped me a lot. So because, before, like I said, before having a baby, I am still obviously now, it's only been six weeks, but very like ABC organized. So chucking a, a baby in the, in the mix of that does not make you organized you know like things yeah. are just not getting done the way i wanted them to before and i like before i lived in shane's world you know yeah. and everything's about what what shane wants and but now it's you can't think like that so yeah that's probably the one thing i've really started to notice so and even just small tasks like being like oh i'll pop down to the shops quickly yeah like it's like oh you gotta pack a pram like yep. you gotta put the baby in the car dude it's gnarly yeah, yeah. and we yeah. only just recently got like a, a four-wheel drive you know before we were just both had like hatchbacks and yeah man, I'm packing this, like trying to put this pram in. I'm just getting super frustrated. I'm like, man, this thing does not fit in the back, eh? <laughs> so that was, yeah, now they've got a bit more space just packing in. But yeah, it's a process, like, you know. Yeah. And I'm used to like, I'm very, like I said, go, go, go. So I'll, you know, I'll get in the car and go. Now you're like, get in the car. Okay, pack the pram, do this, wait, adjust the mirror, you know. Okay, ready to go, go, you know. So yeah. it is a very big process, man. Have you had to um like continue driving at all? if your baby's been asleep and you're like, oh, I don't want to wreck this. Like they need it. They need it. So he just like, Man, he actually sleeps really well in the car and just in pram rides. He's probably just the worst at home. So yeah. he's already pretty active. Like he needs to be looking at stuff. So, yeah. um, but I haven't had that experience yet. But yeah, when, when he starts crying in the back, you kind of freak out a little bit. Like, do I pull over? So, cause I think everyone's like this. I, from what I hear is like super cautious, you know, like mm. every time I wake up, I'm like, fully just leaning over the bed trying to see if he's you know he's still breathing you know like that's the thing that most parents say yeah. is like is he still breathing you know yeah reese reckons it's four months isn't it is that when they stop sleeping as much I, i'm not entirely sure to be honest like i've kind of had the best circumstances like i'll pop over there give him a little give him a little cuddle and that sort of thing just like that's that. the best man yeah yeah but i i don't know i 
like I've obviously observing that from an uncle's perspective sort of thing now I'm like all right like I put myself in the position of like how would I deal with this mm. and like I don't know whether it's a bit <laughs> strange know. but I'm like is it wrong to like just chuck some headphones on like, why when he's crying yeah probably, like, <laughs> he's probably crying for a reason <laughs> no no but like yeah if you if you know like if you can check those boxes off and be like all right baby's been fed like doesn't need um nappy change and all that sort of stuff like you just write it out with just them. have a little have a little check box next to you yeah. at all times uh, i don't know if this fed. guy's ready to be a parent yet <laughs> <laughs> no nah, man I, I don't know i think yeah <laughs> i think after you've I think they always cry for a reason. Like, I think there's something behind it, you know? Mm. So, but yeah, there are times where you're just like, wow, like, I'm pretty fortunate. I don't know about Reese's baby, but it, mine doesn't seem to cry a lot. And if he does cry, he wants something. And usually yeah, that thing yeah. is milk, you know? So, yeah, I think Reese's only cries when Dylan picks it up <laughs> <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, now, Renee, I think, uh, like, I probably shouldn't be speaking with not enough knowledge about it, but. I think she's had some tough nights where it's been like every hour. Oh, yeah. But it, it's, yep. yeah, I think every baby's so different. But I know my mum my always said like the, the first one's made of glass and the second one bounces. So yeah. it's sort of like... I've heard that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. It's just, it's they're going to keep it like this. They waste a lot of your energy, you put it that way, you know. So, but it's good. It's all part of the process. So, I think I'm in a good, uh, good situation now where I can sort of take it on. You know, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have a kid too early. Not that it'd be a mistake or anything, but I think it's just getting my life in order and yeah. figuring out a career that I wanted to do and go from there. It's it's been a lot easier, you know. So, because I can't imagine trying to like tackle something else right now, you know. That's mm. you know like a whole new project or a new business or new job or something like that I, I was sort of in a fortunate position where i was sort of somewhat settled already yeah, so yeah, established yeah yeah um and i'm you know i'm on 35 this year so i feel like i'm more than oh, ready yeah. for a baby yeah really yeah mm-hmm. oh, i wouldn't have picked that really well yeah. how old would you say younger oh really yeah yeah for <laughs> sure age. yeah i thought for some reason i thought you were like 30 31 okay that's yeah, nice, yeah. watch him watch him age over yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah 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 hair's fallen out this year don't worry about that yeah ah yeah. oh, you'll be right mate yeah Plenty of, plenty of support from friends. So, you, because your family's back in Tassie still, yeah? Yeah, just my mum. My yeah. brother's up here. Um, But yeah, essentially, I've just got a very, very small family. So, yeah, yeah just mum and brother and um, and my girlfriend. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. And is, is her family over here as well? No? Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. got some She's got some siblings here as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think it's such a massive part to, like, have that support network of it. Like, already I've seen, like, Reese's partner... Um, her family is uh, she's one of three girls and then obviously their, their parents and stuff are just so supportive and helpful as well mm. um, and then for us to live literally four streets away from our our folks that helps so, yeah big time and like yeah it, it, it is so true that it, it takes a village sort of thing so yeah we've been fortunate because the academy is like a, I've just got like it's like a family as well you know so we've had a lot of the parents come over and there's friends with my girlfriend so um they've been really good man like it's just like because we don't have a lot of family we've got other support networks yeah. as well so mainly the academy so yeah, yeah shout out to so, everyone at so, the academy yeah <laughs> so how long till till you get the baby on the mats ah <laughs> oh, man i was saying the other day he's got to earn it himself you know like i don't know maybe he doesn't even want to go down that path so yeah. i'm definitely not going to coach him that's for sure you know so yeah. i'm going to stay away from that aspect i've seen a lot of like other people sort of uh, do this similar approach as well and it seems to work really well so because you want to, it's hard to separate that that um, parent from coach sort of relationship yeah. I'd imagine I'd imagine you know from yeah. what mm-hmm. I can tell so I'll probably get one of my coaches or professors to to 
teach him jujitsu mm-hmm. from there and put him in like the kids program but like we've always said like um, i want to be like a a good parent where i just let them i don't want to be one of those people just because i'm you know dedicated to jiu-jitsu and it's it's everything to me i don't want it to be everything for him if he doesn't want mm. it to be that way you know I, I kind of cringe a little bit when parents are like that you know like i was good at footy so you're gonna do footy yeah. you know it's yeah. sort of like yeah it can work but you know maybe he doesn't want to do jiu-jitsu maybe he wants to do something else maybe he's into god forbid motocross or something like that you know so, <laughs> you have to hit jace up <laughs> yeah hit jace up so because yeah. i used to do it but now i'm like thinking Right, man, I don't know if I want my kid doing that, you know, so yeah. so dangerous. It's it's funny just considering the stuff you've done when you like growing up, you're like, Oh, you don't think much about it and then you start putting like your, your child into yeah, that position. Sure. Like, oh, that was dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> like I know a lot of parents at the, the Jiu Jitsu Academy, they won't put their kids in rugby, you know? So, because mm. they've done rugby and they're like, No way. Like I'm not letting my kid do this, you know? Mm. So I was like, Wow, that's crazy these days, you know, you think all parents that did rugby would just, you know, encourage that. So. And it, and it's kind of like it's kind of a paradox, really, of putting them into a martial art, but it, it is almost so safe because it's it's structured and, like, you have rules that allow you to be safe. Like. Yes, yes, exactly, and constant monitoring and, and just teaching them how to use their body as well, you know, will make them better in the future. Like I was saying, like, most people join us when they're over 20, you know what I mean, or in their 30s, 40s, etc. Mm. so their body's not functioning the same way as someone that's been doing it since four years old. So, yeah, I think it's going to help them a lot, so... But yeah, in regards to him doing jujitsu, maybe we'll see. You know, yeah. so if he if he goes to it, I know I know I've heard of other people's uh, kids hating jujitsu that that own academies. You know, so mm. we'll see. Yeah, Ho- hopefully you can just a bit of bit of childcare at least. Absolutely, <laughs> Get yeah. I've got a retirement plan, bro. I need yeah. to it needs to take over. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. yeah. Um, one of the topics that we want to touch on, and I didn't really know how to address it. I know prior to the episode, I was googling it, and it was like yeah. kind of like sneaker culture. Yeah. So I am definitely not one for fashion, but like I know I've <laughs> always not? seen. Nah, I've always seen you rocking up to like whether it's comps or like doing the car park photo shoots <laughs> <laughs> definitely not doing photo shoots at the comps right? yeah come on <laughs> but like how would you how would you best explain it because to me it was like a crate like i own a pair of runners a pair of vans and a pair of converses and like to me i don't know i i guess i'm very like uh, if it's doing its job like then i'm happy to pay yeah. for it sort of thing yeah but yeah like i've it, definitely been through that stage as well so yeah to be honest with you i'm not gonna say i've always been into this sort of style thing so because what what creates the demand for those kind of shoes and stuff or like do you want to explain how you got into it um the shoe Mm. yeah so um i don't know really i've always been into shoes but i've never been like to be honest in the last four years i've probably been more into it than ever but before that i was pretty happy with like standard vans and other shoes and then you see the other shoes start to stand out. I guess it's the same people like upgrading cars, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you start with something small, modest, and then you move in, and you're like, oh, Mercedes looks nice. Or, yeah. you know, now the Aston Martin, if you, if, you know, if you can afford that. But for me, it was more so shoes, and they were just giving me, a, you know, get this package in the mail, it gives me that, you know, dopamine hit, and yeah. I'm like, damn, this is good, you know? And then it starts to become an obsession and like i don't have that many shoes if i'm honest with you i'm not like a massive sneakerhead where i have a whole room like this full of shoes yeah. but i have the ones that i want um i don't know what demands are, why the prices are, are so high it's actually quite ridiculous some of them so um and i've been through a phase where i have you know spent probably more than i should on certain pairs um <laughs> ever done the camp out 
<laughs> no, no, never, never. I'm not that desperate, bro. I just can't be seen. I'm 35 years old. I can't do it. Hey, eh? maybe if I was like 16, I could take the sleeping bag, but no, nah, I can't do that. So, but yeah, and for me, I just like style. You know, like I, mm. I, I've got a mentality of look good, feel good, and mm. I sort of supply that and always sort of i've been through my stages where i haven't really looked after myself that much and i've noticed a difference you know and when you do sort of you know you have to dress up all the time and i don't know i'm saying you have to wear expensive things but you could wear just a kmart t-shirt if mm. it's as long as it's fresh and, and, it's and clean you and nice. you know, looks all right i think that's okay as well yeah um but yeah i mean a lot of you know instagram obviously influences you, your thoughts on how you want to dress and you know you may see someone you may say you're like modest dressing now but you see someone like oh man those vans actually look a bit better than mine you know like maybe mm. i'll maybe i'll try those on and and go from there so yeah that's where the, the shoe sort of session came from so um because i know we've we've got a friend or, or a couple of friends that have gotten into it and they were sort of doing the buying and reselling part and yeah they'd get it and like the the amount of money that was getting spent on that but there's obviously a market for it. Yeah. And I think some of the ones that they were buying, there was only like a, a small release of units yeah. available sort of thing. Yeah. That's sure. making most the prices go up a lot though. Like you get like the, I think it's like the Nike dunks and low dunks. I don't think you can really buy them in store. Right. Most of them are just... Yeah, hardly any like good shoes you can find in like your regular, you know, hype or platypus mm-hmm. or anything like that. They just kind of have standard run of the mill. So yeah. I guess that's what makes it, like you said, it drives up the price a little bit because it's not like, oh, okay, it's not in the shop. So mm-hmm. where do we get it? Okay, now I've got to pay $400 more than the average price. You know, this is weird, but then you do it once and then you do it again. And again <laughs> yeah. And you've got some problems. It's, it's kind of like, I guess it just reflects how we are in society of like if if multiple people want something then it's it's going to create more demand for mm-hmm. it and then they can increase the price of it but yeah like even like nfts and, and all that sort of exactly stuff, like it, it's kind of the same concept really there's um oh, what's it called uh sapiens mm-hmm. by yuval harari oh, oh anyway <laughs> he that. um <laughs> he explains in it how like we used to essentially use cowrie shells and all that for currency mm. and then you can't be carting like a wagon full of shells around it. It's not efficient. Mm. So the, our collective agreement is essentially that we have a $50 note and mm. the three of us could say, yeah, that's worth $50 and you don't have to be carrying like a wagon full of stuff. And the same thing with gold. But yeah, it's definitely an interesting time. Like we've talked about a lot with the NFTs. And, and that's where you see like it evolving to like crypto and everything like that. Is that what you mean yeah, by that? Yeah, yeah. And we'll just... Yeah, like I, I definitely a topic, one of the many topics that I don't know enough about, but we choose to talk about it. Anyway. But um, yeah, I think the the NFTs I find really interesting because like there's there's the people that create the the value behind it, and then there's also the people that go, oh, I could just take a photo of and I have the same thing. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I listened to that Gary V guy. Um, mm. I was really invested in it. He was saying like with clothes he's like you want to be seen with certain clothes on and that's your style and he was trying to put it into nfts and saying like people are buying it because they want to be seen with it and that's their style when you move into that kind of sector yeah it's like just similar as clothes and then it makes your style yeah yeah makes sense you want to be seen with that that um nft that's worth x amount of dollars right (laughs) yeah show it off put on your screensaver tell people you own it ones are selling for like a few mil yeah dude that's crazy i don't i'm still not up to date with i don't understand what's going on with it so but it makes sense why i get why the prices are there but i'm just i I just don't like you said i don't know enough about it either so yeah maybe we need some gala brothers or or like a 
a um, Montana Project NFT or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah do release. it, bro. Blow up. Do it now before blow, this podcast blows up. I'm pretty sure they need, or they usually release 10,000 alterations of it. Yep. So, like, that'd be a lot of time on, like, paint.net just trying to change it. <laughs> do you know um, Sean O'Malley? Yeah. The UFC fighter? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's sort of hit a new level of fame recently and he's sort of released his NFTs and I'm pretty oh, really? sure he actually sold all 10,000 of them. Wow. So, is that how many you said that you should release? I think there yeah. is, yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. standard. Unless it's like a, maybe like a one-off sort of thing, but... Yeah, so, and they sold really well. So, I don't know how they're doing now, but at the time they, they did sell quickly. So, yeah. that was impressive. So, if you've got a pro... I think it feels like if you've got a bit of a profile, you can sort of push it, you know? Yeah. It's like the same thing as like, you know, when people are like, oh, I'm going to start a t-shirt company. It's like, well, have you got a lot of followers? Mm. Mm-hmm. Not really. It's like, I guarantee you the guy that's got like 800,000, a million followers is going to be able to push that t-shirt way harder than you. you know? Yeah, definitely. That's like the um, inspired unemployed within Better Beer. Yeah. Like that's just blown up just because they're following. Yeah. Like they don't have a lot of followers. Don't they? Don't they? Like, well, like it's they a lot. So like it's a, is it over a mil? Yeah, it's over a mil. But yeah. you see a lot of, a lot. <laughs> you see like models and stuff get well over a mil. But I think right. it's just because their followers are just so active. Yeah. Like, yeah. They might have a mil, but it might be like 900,000. They're also yeah. very like active. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. They're also very active with what they're posting and that sort of thing mm. as well. Like trying to adapt that sort of stuff to this podcast as well. Like we, we try to get a few reels out throughout the week and just c- kind of just generating content essentially. Yep. and like Get amongst TikTok, please. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, I need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Even it, when like, have, I'm pushing my business, it's yeah. like I've noticed social media, like uh, my girlfriend does all the social media for, for my business, but mm-hmm. it's so important, you know, and I th- you just have to smash out a reel pretty much every day, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you post something every well, day because you, 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 know, you know what you're like, you're scrolling, you're just like, yep, done, done, like real, oh, it's over 10 seconds, I'm not going to watch it. So yeah. even now I'm noticing that we need to, like shrink the reels down. We used to do like a minute reel and oh, yep. this is so sick. It takes like two hours to make and then no one hardly watches it. You do a reel that lasts for 10 seconds and it's awesome. Man. People mm. love it. So people's attention stands so well, short. That's, yeah, that's sort of what it's coming down to is just grabbing people's attention mm. and like that's, that's the new commodity essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for us adapting and trying to utilize that, like I don't, I've never really used like TikToks. So I'm always having to ask Corey yeah, and Amy. Yeah, but... Like I, I understand the value of it for something like a business, and this this isn't at this current stage for us profitable at all. But it's um it's definitely a way to get it out there. Definitely, so. yeah, yeah. I've definitely got to look into the TikTok thing. So for sure, I just <laughs> thought I always just thought it was dances. <laughs> yeah, I always thought it was just dances. But you can tell it's obviously a little bit more than that now. There's people making a lot of money from it. And obviously, yeah. you know, and it just spreads the message. What I don't like about the TikTok is with Instagram, you can sort of like stop but my mum always sends me tiktoks or every day and I, was, I don't have tiktok so but i can still watch them for some yeah, reason yeah. but like when i noticed with hers it's like it doesn't stop <laughs> like it just keeps moving you know yeah. like they've really got that nail where instagram like you can just pause stop with the tiktok it seems to just go 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 <laughs> never ending you know well something that's changed recently i don't know if it's recently but uh, it's definitely come to my attention is that Instagram will now show you it'll like way more recommendations. So like say Cameron Haynes, for instance, I follow him mm. and then someone who posted and tagged him and it pops up on my feed. I'm like, I don't want to see anything other than the people that I'm following. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like you try to... Try to entice you to follow other people. Yeah, yeah. And Similar like, interests. Yeah. And yeah, they're clever, tr- man. Yeah, it's tricky because like... And then to a certain degree, that frustrates me. But then I'm like, well, 
we're aiming to do the same thing. So it's it's this tricky balance <laughs> it of may like benefit you one day. Doing yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I, yeah, it's I guess hard to put yourself in that position to understand how they're utilizing it. But yeah, it's so important these days as well. Even just to have like if you're at gyms mowing, you need an Instagram. You know, you need it. Mm. I don't know if you need a TikTok, but you need it. You need something <laughs> out there. You know, you need to be pushing it out there because. And I see a lot of people though like, yeah, I'll start up a an Instagram and they post like all their pictures in an hour. You know, like thirty <laughs> pictures upload. Like, dude, you can't do it like that. Like no one cares. You still need to like, you know, post every day. You know, like you were saying you'll try and pump out what is it, like three three reels a yeah, week or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something around that. Amy's actually fantastic. Like she does a lot of our, yep. our Instagram and, and TikTok sort of stuff. Yeah, so. dope. Yeah, but uh, like, yeah, you guys are very busy, so. Yeah, we push for it. We've got a lot of, I've got a lot of talented people in the gym that, you know, take photos for us, um, send it through and then edit it. And then sometimes even I'm up late and I'm like, man, that song would go so well on that reel. And then you post it and it's like nothing. <laughs> no views at all. You're like, damn, bro. Like, Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, conscious of your time, we don't want to get in too much trouble for being away <laughs> no, from home. Yeah. Usually we ask our guests the same two questions yep. and one of them being, do you have any favorite failures that you recall that you've benefit, benefited from down the track? Yeah. Uh, like I said, at the start of the, the pod, I think this is like intertwines with it, is uh, um, just not being able to really reach my full potential from like, you know, 20 to 30, I think is, is somewhat a failure that sort of paid a dividend later on, you know, like it, t- it took me a while to, to figure it out by, you know, not going down the path of a normal career, normal trade or something like that. Um, you know, I had people questioning me, you know, at 30, like, why are you still working that job? Because I used to work a retail job before this. So, mm. you know, what's he doing? What's he doing with his life? So that was a lot of pressure um, when you hear that as well from other people to sort of push in the right direction of finding a, a career path. So I would say that's probably my biggest failure that's led into something the better, just persistence with what I wanted to do and, locking in on you know like i said as a blue belt i wanted to you know imagine myself doing jiu-jitsu you know during the day you know for example you know and, and running an academy and and doing all those cool things i just thought it was unreal that this could be a, a job or something you can you know make money off and support yourself with so mm. that to answer your question that would probably be my biggest failure is just not doing anything from 20 to 30 apart from working on my craft you know yeah mm. that's awesome yeah Cool. And second question, if you had a billboard that everyone could see, what would it say or show? Yeah, that's a good question. Hey? I was thinking about that one before. I was like, man, what do you say in this case? And I was like, the one thing I was like thinking was, there was like two different options, right? I was thinking um, one was positive, one was kind of negative, to be honest with you. So the positive one was like, as if I may quote the, the great Nipsey Hustle is like lay a brick every day. Eventually you're going to look up, you're going to see a brick wall, you know? So like the, the 1% every day kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the other thing was just be like, uh, what was I going to say? The negative side of it would be, you know, get over yourself. You're not that important. You know, that's, mm. that's the message <laughs> I would send. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I know. I, I had a like an assumption of what you might say, but I was like, what, I, what do you think I was going to say? I thought it was going to be killer, nah, kill or be killed. <laughs> that, that was your go-to. For, for it still is, but I probably wouldn't say that. Yeah, on just put that on a billboard. For <laughs> yeah, someone. that just makes a cool caption, I think. Yeah. Right? So, but yeah, for billboard, you know, you're like, damn, I got to send a good message here, you know? Yeah. So the the brick by brick thing's cool because there's someone that um, Corey actually put me onto, Nick Bear, and he. It's like very much um, an advocate for that sort of mentality. Okay, who is like, he? Uh, 
he's he's doing pod, he started a doing everything, yeah man. he started a nutrition company but essentially he runs a sub three hour marathon and he's just jacked yeah and, then, and he's just like um yeah it does a lot of podcasting now with um like athletes and that sort of thing as mm. well but yeah it, recommendation like it, we've mm. we've chatted about him before and really inspiring dude and and he's kind of pushes like the hybrid athlete yep so yeah if you're, yeah, cool. if you're looking for something but yeah he he talks about um doing things brick by brick and yeah. essentially you're going to get to like a home in the end sort of yeah thing. and you got to look at it like that man because like even i'm a big goal setter as well so but all my goals are like of course i've got like long-term goals you know like five years but mm-hmm. in saying that my goals are usually make the bed you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. eat breakfast and if I, I i reckon if you tick those off you feel pretty good to start the day you know so just little goals is is always my my philosophy on that and i find myself reassessing those goals quite mm. often you know not just like the daily tasks but like maybe the the weekly tasks and and going from there and it, it makes you feel like you achieved something you know like rather than just be like oh i didn't do that like they said make your bed and that's you're off to a flying start make your bed so so important like and, and so special i actually remember sean same same sean from earlier told mm. me that um a while ago because I, I think it was around the time when i hurt my knee and that sort of thing and I, just trying to find that direction again and, and to get back into things and, and he's like just make your bed mm. and and he's like just start doing positive things and they snowball and whether it's this podcast or other things that we've been trying to implement in our lives it's like they they just seem to then accumulate more and more and like yeah i i think it's the the best point to start as well yeah for sure for sure just mind you achievable I can't, goals I, mind you i can't do it in the mornings because i get up before amy does so i'm trying to make the bed and she's asleep <laughs> so someone else does it for you yeah, yeah. yeah. that counts you can still tick that box bro every day yeah. um or quick quick um shameless plug for yourself where can they find you uh like the instagram and everything like that yeah or, or just the business as well yeah probably business is just uh gala brothers helensvale so we're located on saganto drive um opposite movie world um yeah yeah come in if you want to try it come in see what we're about and um meet the crew so yeah we've got a good atmosphere up there that's the one thing i'm always pushing with our academy is um you know just making it a good crew like it has to be a good environment people want to walk want people to walk in if they've had a bad day walk out happy that's my goal and make sure everyone's happy in the gym and we do have a very very good culture that's the one thing that i get a lot of feedback is like people walk in the gym go damn it's everyone's just so nice in here you know and i think that's a pleasant surprise from a martial arts academy i'm not saying that there's you know all bad martial arts academy in there but to go in and do a physical sport like jiu-jitsu um and walk out and feel safe and feel like you're surrounded by people that actually care about you is is super important as well mm. Mm. that's awesome yeah nice. well we yeah, really you. appreciate you coming down thank you for having me and uh, once again guys spotify <laughs> apple podcast get on it like our tiktok <laughs> yeah start following our tiktok we're getting nothing yeah no nah, but it's it's been fantastic it's good to catch up and hopefully we can get Craig and myself down onto the mats. Yeah. Yep. I'm keen to get down. <laughs> Have a roll. Get choked. <laughs> Let's go.